the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I have some big news. I just bought a house. Corey and I just got a house together. Um, super exciting, but also like we're feeling a little nostalgic and sentimental about the fact that we're recording at my loft for the last time. Yeah, yeah, the it's very been, last time. It's been a fun time, but on to the next chapter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Congratulations I, to you. Thank you. We love the new house. It's got beautiful vaulted ceilings, which the loft has had vaulted ceilings here. So I was like, can't go back. <laughs> got, got to keep the, the lifted ceilings for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but we're really happy with it. But I just wanted to announce it to you all. So we ended up taking a two-week break because I've been moving and we had closing and all that. So it's been a lot. Um, but we're kind of on the other side of it. So now we're working on home projects and just moving some furniture now. Yeah, um, but we, we missed you guys on our little two-week break, and we're so excited to get into this episode. So on that note, welcome back. We're your hosts. I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and this is Standing BTS. Your favorite informative fangirl podcast. Yeah. All right, today we're going to hang out for about an hour and talk with a bunch of other armies for an army roundtable, where we're going to talk about different topics within BTS and just what's going on with their music and um, just kind of how they've been growing as a group. Yeah, just kind of like uh, some hot topics within the ARMY community also, things that we all have opinions on and, you know, don't often get the opportunity to, to talk to other armies about. Um, so we can't wait to fangirl, laugh, and learn a little bit along the way. But before we get into today's episode, we want to say thank you, Iconics, for being here and for all of your support. If you want to support us even further and have access to our Google Docs, our Iconic Hangouts, and our sound check, you can do that by donating monthly to our Patreon at patreon.com slash standingbts. Or if you'd like, you can make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash standingbtspodcast. Your support really helps us to improve the quality of our content, and we just appreciate any type of support you have to offer. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Um, also, this month, our charity of the month, I know it's like the end of March already. We're so sorry that we've been crazy. It's been a crazy month, but 
please support Ukraine this month. Um, we have found the charity Nova Ukraine. NovaUkraine.org slash donate is where you can donate. Um, this is a registered nonprofit that's dedicated to raising awareness about Ukraine in the U.S. and throughout the world, um, providing humanitarian aid to Ukraine. Their mission is to provide humanitarian aid to vulnerable groups and individuals inside Ukraine and then also raise awareness throughout the world and support Ukraine in its effort to build a strong civil society and reform its educational system um, while also eliminating corruption. Right now, your donates will go directly to frontline volunteers in order to provide emergency aid to refugees and the remaining citizens of Ukraine. Um, yeah, very serious situation going on in Ukraine right now. And we just, you know, our thoughts are going out to everybody over there. And, you know, we're just trying to do what we can to support them here. And here's a great way that you can is by donating again to NovaUkraine.org slash donate. Yeah. Wonderful organization mm -hmm. yeah, to be donating directly to Ukraine. Yeah. All right. So we are doing an Army Roundtable this week, and we have some Army with us. These are people that we've gotten to know through the podcast over the years who we just really value their opinion um, and their, their perspective as Army. So with us today, we have Nathan and Crystal, as well as Robin and Deja. So Nathan, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are. Hi, Iconics. It's Nathan. Uh, you might know me from the podcast I Got Pushed in a Hypen podcast or uh, from the one, uh, 1 through 7 podcast that I got to host with you guys, which is super fun. Um, a little bit about me. I was born and raised and I'm living in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I'm turning 31 this Thursday, so I'm really excited. And uh, I'm also currently a college and career specialist at a high school and I'm studying to be an English and drama teacher. I really enjoy singing, acting, traveling, and learning other countries' language and culture, which is like so huge when it comes to K-pop. So I'm really excited to be here today to talk to you guys about all of the topics that we have ready. Yeah, Happy early birthday. Yay, thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, Crystal, tell us about yourself. Yeah, I just want to say thanks everybody for having me on the podcast. So my name is Crystal Gaynor, and I also um, I'm a co-host for the I Got Pushed and then Hypen podcast with Nathan. So it's really a pleasure for us to both be here with all of you. And just a little bit about myself. Um, I'm turning 32 this year. <laughs> I work for a software startup company and I love BTS and Hypen. <laughs> I think that about sums it up. <laughs> yes, we're so happy to have you, Crystal. Yes, thanks for being here. All Thank right, you. Robin, let's hear about you. Hi. Oh, my gosh. So excited to be talking to you guys. Thanks, Kayla and Bethany, for even starting this. It's such a cool idea. Um, I've been, uh, I live in Arlington, Texas, a suburb of DSW. I've been um, Army since early 2019. Actually went to a BTS concert before I was Army, so kind of crazy. <laughs> um, but I'm married. I have a daughter that's 16. She's at driver's ed class right now. Um, she had her BTS phase already, but we do a lot of touring around the Metroplex and going to different Korea towns and always getting the next album for her and going shopping and trying different food from Korea. So we have super fun together. Uh, my husband's not army, but super supportive and he like wished me good luck coming to record tonight and help me get set up and stuff. So anyway, super cool to be here. Thanks. Yeah, that's so awesome. I love that you and your daughter can kind of share BTS and just experience more Korean culture together, too. Yeah, and that your husband is super supportive. Yeah, amazing. I love it. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, last but not least, obviously, is Deja. Hi, Iconics. My name is Deja. I'm 30 years old, and I'm originally from San Diego, California, but I currently reside in Utah. Um, I've been in Army since HYY age. It's crazy to even think and say that out loud, but uh, I just love them so much. Um, aside from standing BTS, um, other hobbies I have would be reading, going outside, soaking in the tub, anime, and all things Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I am so excited to um, be joining you guys in this journey and the conversation. So, yay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, thank you guys all for joining us here today. And we're really excited to get into these topics of discussion. We have quite a few different things that we're going to be covering. Um, and uh, we hope that you Iconics are going to enjoy this conversation along the way. So let's just go ahead and get into it. So Bethany, something to add? No. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I was going to get us into it. How all about right. I read the first question here? Sure. Why don't you get us into right. it? Yeah. So getting into it. So one of the first things you learn about when you're getting into K-pop is the concept of an era. And it's a time frame in which a group will adopt a certain aesthetic and promote their album. So these often come with a concept, like concept photos, new hair colors, the group styled in a certain way, performances, and tons of behind the scenes footage. So we want to know what is your favorite BTS era? And to keep in mind, like iconic moments, fashion, hair colors, etc., to make your choice. So for me, my favorite era is the Wings era. I think that for me, when I first became an ARMY, Wings was like, it was very foundational, right? And so, of course, Blood, Sweat, and Tears is like the music video that most ARMY talk about being like the one that made them ARMY, right? And so whenever I think of BTS, I think of Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and I think of Wings. I mean, pink hair Jin purple and gray hair Jimin, iconic, right? The imagery of all the music videos, like all of the working in of classic literature and the imagery, again, is just like, it's an overload for me, but that's what I think of when I think of BTS. I think maybe for me, it's probably the map of the soul era. It's just so iconic and... No, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> No, but there's, it's just something about their whole image there. It's just, it's a different style for them. The, the hair, the clothes, I don't even know what I could pinpoint specifically, but I just feel like I gravitate to that. Maybe that's when I first started kind of really getting into them. So it just kind of stands out to me, but I don't know. I guess I don't have much to elaborate on that, but I would go with Matt. Just got feeling. <laughs> yeah. Robin? Yep. Crystal, I will back you up on that. So I'll have a tie. <laughs> So Love Yourself is my, like, uh, era because that's the first concert I ever saw. And I, I was, had been introduced to BTS then, but I didn't know them. And so that concert experience, what like, changed my entire life. It's incredible. It's burned in my memory from J-Hope dancing across the stage, like, with his persona and just everything out there. I mean, electrifying. And Jungkook flying in the air, and oh, I mean, you, I could talk about every member and every moment of that concert, but even more, just the fandom and the screaming. We had floor seats, by the way. What the heck? How did I got so lucky? But the mints and them talking to Army and just 
oh my gosh, I was crying. And I was like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> um, anyway, so by the time Navajo Soul 7 got there, I was full on ARMY. I had tickets to the Dallas tour. We were supposed to meet Kayla and Bethany, you guys, for that, that concert here in Dallas. And so ugh, the looks, and you guys say all the time, final form. I have to say era of BTS and their final form is, I don't know how you can stand against that, but those are my thoughts. <laughs> I'm with you there, Robin. Yeah. Okay, so for me, my favorite BTS era is, of course, HYYH. Um, I love all of them, but looking back and reflecting, I just had to choose it, especially because I cannot ever forget Mitt Yoongi, Orange Hair Jimin. Oh my gosh. I can't fire. believe I survived. <laughs> oh gosh. I can't believe I survived. Like, <laughs> but uh, it is just, it's such a beautiful moment, which is part of the album and the message that they were delivering that transition from youth to adulthood. And I know during that time when I did find them, I was going through my quarter life crisis and it just was that transitioning period and seeing that concept and feeling that, you know, we can still be youthful, but grow up at the same time and seeing them grow into that, that it just really was something special. And so, yeah, that just, I can't ever get over it. Yeah. yeah. Very iconic time and like an impactful, you know, moment for them and, you know, for us to know that we can grow old, but also be, you know, maintain our youth at the same time. Um, but I'm wondering, like with your favorite eras, if you guys also feel like they have any underrated eras or perhaps if your favorite era is also their most underrated areas era, what is your thought on their most underrated era? I think for me, their most underrated era is the school era. Like, you know, a lot of people overlook BTS's origins and the the bass hip hop sound that they created. That's maybe my favorite part of the era. But I think that also the best thing about the school era was the uniformity of all of the outfits, of all of the style, right? Like, just debuting with that strong image of like all seven of us you know ot7 we're here we're bts and we're gonna take over and eventually they did but like just to see that that base level of like uniformity everything is so clean and crisp especially like no era oh my god like that was like when they really started to seem to come into their own and then it really launched them into HYYH just beautifully. So it's my underrated era for sure. School Love Affair, a classic. You know I love School Love Affair. <laughs> I mentioned that it was my favorite album on 1 through 7. So like, Yes, you, know. you did. Yeah. <laughs> also, you know, it's like a quintessential kind of K-pop to have that kind of boyish boyhood in school, those types of visuals in there. And they fulfilled that concept very well. Exactly. And that's what I love about K-pop is like, I've always loved boy bands when I was growing up, like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys were my jam and my dream was to be a boy band member. So I kind of live vicariously through BTS and school era. I love that. And and to follow off of that, actually, I would choose Dark and Wild era just because I have some songs from that album that I really love. And similarly, it is kind of like they're coming into their own. It's a 
it's like more of like a punk hip hop uh dark and wild like literally it sums it up kind of it's just a, yeah. it's edgier right it's kind of where they were still coming into you know their own and i just yeah love crystal loves album. second grade second grade is her favorite oh second grade yeah it's I a love piece second grade. of an album yep. it's a huge album yeah new army <laughs> should is. definitely go back and listen to those albums from their early discography because maybe we're feeling like their earlier albums are underrated because they don't get the attention nowadays yeah mm-hmm. They're older, yeah. Yeah. Robin, Deja, did you guys have an underrated album that comes to mind? If not, that's okay. I so totally agree with Nathan and Crystal. Like anytime you can get the growly Tay or any of the vocal line, oh my gosh. So it, it took me a little bit to find the earlier BTS, but when they did uh, Bang Bang Con 2020, the first one, and they had all of those concerts, from Schoolboy all the way to the Wings trilogy, I, I, I was like, BTS and leather pants, Tay and leather pants, Jen and leather pants, I'm gonna <laughs> die. I, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, but yes, underrated there and worth every second of it. You gotta go yes. back, gotta learn yes. it. Oh yes. Yes, I just have to pick you back off the crystal. I think the most underrated is dark and wild i absolutely love that era gosh dark demon demonic demon and the guy liner and just the whole like vibe of just like we're here we're in this but there's also this blend of like beautiful vocals that come out of that album that you just don't get to see or hear um so prominently because we're so focused on what's what's now and so yeah i definitely encourage other um, army to go back and check out those um, those albums or even just the um, videos online from that area era it's just it's so so amazing to to get back into that and just be like oh my gosh and like danger mm. like we like we don't get enough of that, so we don't, <laughs> no. we don't get enough danger, right? Yeah. <laughs> we really yeah. don't. I just want to chime in here real quick because I just want to add that I feel like the "Love Yourself" answer comeback was a little underrated too because it was a repackaged album. But we got all of the trivia's with that, and then we also got "Idol," and "Idol" I think is just iconic. I mean, with their permission to dance on stage, like they've been performing "Idol" still to this day. But it's just like such a hit title track that like I felt like with the love yourself answer comeback kind of got under the radar because it was a repackaged album but iconic yeah that was I agree like uh that era was when I started becoming an army and so I always want to see a comeback of idol I I'm so glad you brought up love yourself answer Bethany because to me that's an underrated era for sure like it's so amazing it has so many so many amazing songs but like the fact that seven and B come after that like I feel like those easily can overshadow um you know like that whole concept but totally incredible incredible concept um I say let's go ahead and move on to our next question Mm -hmm. which is We all love BTS for their music, but we're also grateful for the other content that they give us. We often credit their extra content as a reason why we feel like we know them so well and why we feel so connected to them. So we want to know what your favorite uh, non-BTS-like music 
content that is your favorite and what is your favorite like moment or memory from it so this could be like run bts in the soup bon voyage v lives etc i think for me um as much as i really want to say like bon voyage I think specifically there was a Run BTS episode, and I want to say that it was episode 79, where they were at the mall and they were playing the game together. That was literally one of the best Run BTS that I've ever seen. The staff were hilarious in the background the entire time. And the fact that I think it was RM was getting so upset at like the others cheating but he was cheating too like that that is like next level humor for me and i i hold that run bts episode very dear to my heart so every time i get the chance i rewatch that one oh love it iconic that's a great one yeah Jun really gets so upset he has such a justice heart and i think that that's why he's my bias wrecker because like as much as i love kim taehyung like rm man Kim Nam Joon, God bless. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't really think of anything specific other than Bon Voyage and just the overall freedom that we get to see them have when they're on vacation specifically and just like having fun and being themselves. So, just like getting glimpses into their life when they're not surrounded by just music and what they have to perform and do, I think it's just like really wholesome and nice to see. Most definitely. And Nate, on the BTS run, you're talking about episode 79. That's where they have to collect the, the letters, the numbers. Yeah, correct. I After I watched that, I had a dream that I was playing that game with them. And it was right. so fun. It's, oh, God, I wanted to join so much. I'm like, it's, why don't we get the opportunity to be with them doing these kind of things? Yeah, totally made an impression. Um, my favorite outside of all the run episodes are so many to say, oh, um, just bon voyage, getting to see them in their in, having fun and relaxing and just joking around with each other. Some of my favorite moments: Jimin in Hawaii. They're at a cheeseburger store or something like that, and he walks up to the the, the cashier and says, "What's a very good beverage? What's popular?" And she said, "Pepsi." And he goes, "I'll have a Coca Cola." <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> so funny. It just killed me. And then, like, Jin walking around going, do you know BTS? Do you know BTS to different people? And then Hobie going, ooh, important business. And, like, don't cut coloring it there. There's just so many moments that just kill me. And they're just so cute and just endearing. Just, oh, love it. Love. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to choose because they have so much content which is one of the reasons why I absolutely adore them because there's so much to, to choose from. But for me, it's definitely the movies that from Burn the Stage onward. I just love all the behind-the-scenes action and their point of view when they are on tour. It is so fun to get those snippets because we are highly anticipating them to jump on V-Live after our concert, at least I know I am. And so to see those moments um, right after they're, um, they're, they just performed or they're getting ready to travel to a new place, um, especially because I remember going to the movie theater and that was like the first time really sitting with other army and just enjoying and laughing and they just get it as much as I do. I can't remember um specifically which one i think it's 
which movie, but when um, Tay gets his dog and we see him on for the first time and J-Hope is just playing with him. He's like, did you see my bag? Oh, so like, cute! <laughs> I just like remember melting in the movie theater. Like, oh my gosh! Like, I can't believe I'm experiencing this right now. Like, I just, you know, just can't be any more thankful for them to produce that because they didn't have to share it. So, I'm just glad that we have that content. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, like the burn the sage, bring the soul Mm. and all that. Like, not only do we get the behind the scenes that we see with like V Live, but we get like behind the scenes like backstage and you really get to see like what they have to go through when they're like in between acts, like in between songs, what they have to go through. Um, I really thought about that. Yeah, so grateful for that content, too. And getting to go and see it in theaters with ARMY. Uh, it's just a whole different experience. Yeah, that was Crystal's uh, Crystal's first exposure to BTS was Burn the Stage wow, when I took her. Really? And she was like, she was like, yeah. I don't know what this is, but if Nathan wants me to go, let's go. And then like planted a little seed of BTS. Yeah, you really feel like yeah. as one in that theater with like all of Army. Yeah. Yeah. Never forget Jungkook walking out in the grout fit with his hands in his pockets and the entire oh theater gosh. going fucking oh, crazy. Bless. So hot. Bless. <laughs> Ridiculously so hot. hot. Stupid. <laughs> just with like with like a hundred other people just going, ah, you know, yeah. <laughs> the collective yeah. reactions, just the best. Yeah. yeah. Iconic. Um yeah, I love all those um, different content that they provide us that helps us feel so connected to them. For me, like early on when I was first getting into BTS, it was Run BTS that really, for the first time, I got to see their personalities and see how like they work together in a bunch of different situations and how they play around. And that was like really integral in me understanding their different relationships and their different dynamics was looking at how they acted in Run BTS. So I just, to me, that's like my ultimate favorite content besides their music yeah. yeah i think my favorite is probably namjoon's v lives of the albums like oh the albums come out i mean yes. can we, i mean we really get insight into the production and the lyrics of the in the development of the album with that and i uh, just so appreciative of yeah. those and for jimin always you know trying to crash <laughs> v lives yeah. incredible we love it um, okay, so let's uh, let's kind of get into our next topic, which is shipping, because it's one of the K-pop adjacent activities that we've really gotten into. We've done it on this podcast with our ship series. We've done it in our personal lives now. Um, so if you're unfamiliar, shipping is when fans fantasize about two or more members of the group having real or fictional, often romantic relationships. So for you guys shipping do you love it do you hate it do you fall somewhere in between how do you feel about it in general and i guess at the same time you could answer if you really ship anyone seriously for fun and like where you draw the line personally with your shipping experience yeah i think for me um i fall somewhere between love and hate um i'm a very casual shipper i'm not uh, hardcore like some people I had a lot of problems back in the One Direction days where like people were really like toxically shipping and like 
constantly trying to dunk on other people on like Tumblr back in the day, everybody who's old like me, um, just like everybody's being like, oh, this is real. And if you don't believe that, like get out. And it was like, that's super toxic and it doesn't create an inclusive community for um, the fans. I, uh, I do really ship Veeman. I know that that's a bit of a controversial ship on the internet, just like, you know, um, when it comes to people who seriously ship, um, but I love Veeman. I especially love, uh, I love Jimin and RM in fanfics when I do read fanfic. Um, I think that I read fanfic mostly for fun, just to kind of see the personality of the boys in different contexts. I really like AUs or alternate universes where we're exploring the boys' personalities. Um, I specifically love Harry Potter AUs and um, exploring BTS's possible uh, Hogwarts houses so things like that are why i really like shipping and fanfic and um it just gives you another lens to enjoy bts through so i think if you do it with good intent and you aren't um yucking on somebody's yum as one of my professors would say as long as you're not poo-pooing on something that somebody loves i think that it's all fair game i love that Uh, For me, so the concept of shipping in general, I have been a big fan of shipping for forever since I was maybe like 11 years old with Harry Potter first. Um, I really like to write fan fiction myself. I think where it gets a little different for me is where I think about shipping in conjunction with bands and artists. Because when you think about shipping people, I mean, they are people who are members of a group where usually when I'm shipping fan fiction as it relates to like Harry Potter, like they're fictional characters, but yes, of course they're portrayed by real actors. So I, I don't know, I guess that I've always had more of a hesitation when it comes to reading fan fiction related to like BTS or other groups. Um, I have done it <laughs> and I would say I like Veeman, but I think that I kind of, um, I kind of stray away from it sometimes just because it feels, feels like a little different for me. Like it, it doesn't feel as, I don't know, almost feels invasive, but I know it's not actually, you know, it's, it's fan fiction. It's fictional. That's the whole point. But for me, I've just always kind of leaned towards shipping when it comes to yeah. fictional Well, things. I mean, your origin of shipping is from fictional characters. So I could see how, like, now that yeah. you're into a boy group and you're like, wow, these are real people. So it feels very different. I can see mm-hmm. that. Yeah. 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 So I, Kayla and Bethany, love your ship episodes. I think they're just so cute. And you really get to learn more, like, behind about the members. I'm, I guess, maybe the same as Nate, like, super casual, like, not hardcore shipping anyone at all. I do read some of the fanfics and some of the AUs. Um, there's a really popular person on Twitter. They go by Bonsai Daddy. I don't know if any of y'all are familiar, but there is the best AU. Um, it's called Gin Cook and Soap AU. And the cool thing about Bonsai Daddy, she includes all seven members. And I'll tell you all just like a quick synopsis. I wrote it down because I had to like, you have to sum it up really fast. But here's the synopsis. Jungkook needs money to feed his excessive shopping habits. And Hoseok wants to ask out his crush, but is too inexperienced and afraid to. Their solution? Having fake boyfriends. Well, guess who they go after as their fake boyfriends? And then some of their fake boyfriends are other members. And it's... And it's in like the 
text kind of mode. It's all on Twitter, so a lot of it's told through the, just group chats and stuff back and forth, but so good. So good. Wow, thanks for the wreck. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> you want to have to go read it now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I always forget about fan fiction in a fandom, which is crazy, but I do. And I'm so happy for um, the shipping and the fanfic that you guys um, present in the podcast because it just really does shine another layer of um, light onto each of the members. Um, I love getting other people's perspectives and um, as much as a reader as I am, just absorbing that other content is just so fun. And as far as shipping, I have my little ships that like I just adore, but it's more of a bromance and friendship um, kind of where I lean towards. I love a good bromance and I love seeing their interactions with each other. So I definitely have um, taggy moments that just are so sweet or even in fanfic, I love hearing um, Veeman or um, anything with Namjoon. Um, it's just so fun to see those interactions um, if they're also contributing other aspects that just happened in real life, um, I think it's really sweet, but I don't get too crazy into it because, you know, at the end of the day, they have their own feelings and opinions and um, I'd never want to push my views or I don't like seeing other people push their views onto them, um, especially because it just makes it uncomfortable. And so, yeah, as long as it doesn't get to that point, I'm all for it. What I'm hearing from all of you guys is something that I really love is that you guys are all having at first, like first priority is respect for the boys and just making sure that we're not doing anything with in regards with shipping that is stepping over a line, crossing a boundary that, you know, we shouldn't be involved with. But at the same time, um, I'm hearing you guys say that it's okay if people are shipping or if they are enjoying fanfic or if you read it yourself because um, it's, you know, you're not going to yuck someone's yum, as Nathan said, you know, if someone's going to enjoy it, you can enjoy it as long as you're remaining respectful. And I think Bethany and I, when we first started shipping, we were like super, we definitely had our Delulu times of like, they're in a relationship relationship they're definitely yeah. date you know like so far I especially did mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean I'm a tea cooker so yeah. um I think it's one of the more popular ships in BTS especially back in their like earlier days and I had you know believe it or not I like read all of Harry Potter I read all of like the Percy Jackson series but I never actually shipped any characters like that was I had never even heard about shipping until BTS and I just was like you know falling down the rabbit hole of BTS I was like what is up with Young and Jungkook like these two just like I don't know what's happening and then I fell into the rabbit hole of just Cook in general and so uh I kind of got Delulu there for a while because I had never experienced shipping before. And, you know, being on Twitter and stuff, I felt like, oh, man, am I making both of them feel uncomfortable around each other? Like, I kind of felt backlash from it because I was like, oh, man, maybe I shouldn't be shipping these two members. Like, it's wrong to do that. 
And then I backed away from it so much that, like, I didn't even read, like, fanfic about them anymore because I was like, oh, no, like, I'm doing something wrong by shipping them. Um, but I think, like, as I've developed in the fandom and has grown as an army some more, I realized, like, kind of the boundaries a little bit better. And so I think that's a part of it, too, is just, like, getting to know it and learn it and just understand, like, the, the boundaries and the respect for all of the members. Um but yeah, shipping was, I was totally oblivious to the concept until, and fan fiction, until BTS. Yeah, I also, my first introdu- introduction to shipping was actually from you, Bethany. And um, I think I've gotten to a place with shipping where, like, yes, sometimes I'm like, oh, they're really cute together. I have, like, specific moments I love. But at the same time, um, I really enjoy the different, kind of like what Deja said, like the different bromances. I love to look at the ways that Namgi works together, how they produce and write lyrics together. I find that fascinating. I love to see how um, J-Hope and Jin work on perfecting choreography together. And, you know, like, those types of moments and friendship interactions. And um, I just really enjoy like investigating and diving into to see like the richness of their genuine friendship the Um, friendship the friendship is like the root of the shipping yeah Mm -hmm. totally okay so it's often said that bts paved the way this statement in itself however is quite controversial within the k-pop community um, and within army as well because some may say that it takes away from the triumphs and success of groups that came before them and detracts from other contemporary groups so how do you feel about the sentiment that bts paved the way and what do you think army can do to be respectful and to give credit to those groups who paved bts's way I think it's really important that we define what the way is. Like, I think that if we define the way as BTS paved the way toward K-pop bands' success in the Western music industry, then yes, BTS paved that way. But did BTS pave the way for themselves to be accepted at, like, the Grammys or... Uh, for other bands or for other bands to hit Billboard 100 or 200? I think that the answer is no, because BTS in that regard has paved their own way and it's only for them to take. So I think for me, the phrase BTS paved the way in some ways is true. And in some ways it's not because BTS paved their own way to some of these successes and ARMY built it with them. But not every K-pop community has ARMY, right? ARMY is very special. It's it's sacred to BTS, right? Like the, the machine of, you know, donating and buying tracks for ARMY who don't have the means to do so. Other communities don't have that kind of support, right? So for me, BTS Paved the Way is a sentiment to ARMY, but to nobody else. And I do think that some ARMY overuse the phrase, um, especially on Stan Twitter. I think that a lot of armies really like to uh, get over on other K-pop communities because of the way. But I think that it's a very different situation for bands like Stray Kids or um, bands like My Favorite Pentagon. I love Pentagon, but like Pentagon will never achieve what BTS has achieved because of the community. And it's not because Universe or or Stays don't have 
the same passion for their groups. It's just because they don't have the numbers, right? Like army are numerous and you can find them by throwing a stone. You'll hit somebody who's army, right? So I think in that regard, that's how BTS paved the way was for themselves. Uh, they all also paved ways for others, but that way for others is limited to recognition in the West, not to success. And I mean, I would say like, obviously, no doubt there are other K-pop bands that have contributed a lot to the history of K-pop and to where everybody's at today, like groups like Shiny. But I don't think that that detracts from the fact that BTS did pave the way. And I don't think that it takes away from the success of of others, really, right? It's just that they have been able to achieve something, like Nathan said, in conjunction with ARMY. Like, we all have supported yeah. each other in in this endeavor to to this Western, uh, you know, audience, to this Western influence. It's It's been huge. They have done something that others have not. But again, that doesn't detract what, what other groups have paved the way for. So Yeah, I mean, you can't discount people like Psy or Big Bang or... You know, all of these people, JYP, who has his own label in Korea now. I mean, these people, they paved the way for K-pop in Korea, right? And some of them had Western breakthrough. Um, I mean, Big Bang was the first time I had ever heard K-pop. And that was back when I was in high school. And I wasn't interested in it then. And then when Psy came out, I also wasn't very interested because his... His foray into fame in the West was a little bit campy, right, to some Americans. It was, like, very outlandish. But BTS was able to reach out and break through to me in ways that other K-pop artists will never. So I think that that's how they stand out on their own, and that's where their merit comes from. Robin, anything to add? I don't use the pave the way that much. I see it all over Twitter, um, and I get it, like, all the different sides. Um, I'm more on the nobody does it like them. Like, they just keep doing more and better and better than they did before, and how is that possible? Um, I think for K-pop coming up under them, and especially under Big Hit and now Hyde, I think they did pave the way for that. I mean, they changed a lot of what was happening in K-pop, and what was the trainees were going through. And I think that they made it better as a collective and had these other huge forces that they were up against in pre-debut and trainee life that the, these kids now aren't hopefully having to suffer through as bad as BTS did. But um, yeah, I say no one does it like them. Mm. Okay. And uh, Deja, any other thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I agree with, um, so much that Nate had said, you know, there, there's a lot of um, things that people don't want to learn about K-pop in general. Um, the music industry for K-pop is so different than it is here in the West. And part of that is the rivalry between companies. That's why you don't see a lot of um, collaborations with other K-pop artists within K-pop itself is because of those separations and um, that rivalry to see who can produce what better and, you know, get that production. And so for me, when I hear people say, you know, BTS paved the way, yes, in some aspects and avenues, they did pave the way for their own. But, you know, 
BTS is part of generation, like third generation. And so there was, you know, first and second generation, like um, Mayhem and Shinsai and, um, you know, there's Shiny and Big Bang and Girls' Generation. Like they were all more in the, you know, East and very not breaking into us, especially because, you know, I heard of them um, while me being such a big anime fan, like I listened to other J-pop and other things. So like I was familiar with that style, but it didn't hit me the way that BTS did. And it just stuck. And so people just need to be able to, like, like you said, define the way. Yeah, it's so interesting, like, you guys are describing BTS paving the way in a concept that I've never thought about but before. And maybe mm-hmm. it would be more accurate instead of saying they paved the way by saying they blazed their own trail. But that pathway is not paved. It's not like they rolled out the red carpet for every, you know, third and fourth generation group that comes behind them to easily make it in the West now. Like it's up to these groups on their own to gain their own following and their own support and to knock it out of the park and to deserve it, you know, because BTS have worked for it and do deserve it at this point. So maybe they really didn't like to say they paved the way is like they didn't they paved their own way. They blazed their own way, but they haven't have they made it easier for other groups behind them? Maybe in some regard, maybe, you know, people are more um they're not gonna be taken aback to see a K pop group on their stage at, you know, billboard or whatever. Yeah. They're not gonna be surprised by it, but or they may not be as closed off to it, but you know, to gain, like, massive success and notoriety or to, like, be going to the Grammys here for, you know, it's not like every single group that comes behind them is going to be able to do that now. No, I don't think so either. I think, like, they've really exposed the Western audience to K-pop and what it is. I think BTS has a huge part in that. But I also see, like, when people say BTS paved the way, that it really discredits a lot of the other K-pop groups. Like, I really think about Big Bang. Like, I remember getting into BTS and going to Hot Topic. I know this is so weird. But, like, going to Hot Topic, I couldn't find anything BTS-related. But I could see, like, Big Bang merch. Which, if you were to go into Hot Topic now, it's, like, BT21, BTS, just, like, BTS everywhere. Um, But way back then, you know, Big Bang kind of was, like, getting their foot into the Western audience before BTS got here. But BTS has really taken their own path because I feel like when it comes to their music and their lyrics, it's just relatable to people and it's spoken to so many people. And, you know, I, I do see that they have created this this exposure in the Western audience that other K-pop groups haven't that might give future K-pop groups more, you know, an easier route, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, I do think, yeah, you guys have really given me a different perspective on it. Lots to think about. Like one last thing to chew on thinking about paving the way. I mean, there are certain award shows now that have K-pop categories literally because of BTS's existence, right? Like when we think about, uh, what was it? People's Choice Award that added a K-pop category mm-hmm. that did not exist before BTS, and frankly, it exists because of BTS. So, in those ways, I can see why people would say BTS paved the way. But in saying that BTS paved the way, we have to acknowledge that they paved the way for somebody. They didn't mm-hmm. just like why did they pave a way if people aren't going to go down it, right? Right. 
Who's going yeah. down it? You know, we exactly we, we have yet to see. We have ideas about what's to come in the future of K-pop based on groups that are coming up. But, yeah. you know, we, we, we can't, have more to see. We can't gatekeep the way if it was made. Right. <laughs> so, like, let's promo the bands that we love and don't army please don't gatekeep the path like yeah absolutely yeah i'm with you there nathan i am i am all right so in 2020 bts released their first fully english song which was dynamite in 2021 they had resounding success with butter staying at number one on billboard hot 100 for 10 weeks Permission to Dance was met with a bit more controversy with armies being divided on whether they love it or hate it. Um, How, if at all, does BTS creating fully English songs affect K-pop as a whole? And what effect do you believe these songs will have on the future of BTS's discography? And do you want more English music? Or are you hoping for a more like Korean heavy comeback? I think that this topic comes down to an issue of communication. Um, Who are we writing? Who are BTS writing English songs for? Uh, In many regards, I think that BTS are writing English songs so that they can kind of grind their, uh, grind their gears and like sharpen their craft in English. Um, I also think that it's purely for English speaking army too. Um, whenever you do music with lyrics, you are going to exclude a certain part of your audience. And I think that that's a really important thing to think about when we think about BTS's English songs. I also think that, um, BTS express themselves best through Korean. That's because it's their home language. It's what they have grown and been able to, um, earn their respect through. So I think that we can't speak about English music from BTS without honoring and hopefully expecting more Korean music. I think that the effect that the English songs have on BTS's musical future is that it opens them up to more possibility. Um, We've already seen them collaborate with some really big American artists, Halsey and Megan the Stallion, I mean, th- that's huge stuff. And uh, it's because of their mastery of the English language that they get to do that. But um, I don't personally want to see more English music. Um, I feel like their English music also comes with a um, focus on dollars. And that might be an unpopular opinion. But I do believe that a lot of their English music is geared towards our um, market in the West. And a lot of that music sounds the same. And I'm really sorry to say it, but like when it comes to their English songs, Dynamite Butter, Permission to Dance, I'm not really vibing with most of the music. Um, when Dynamite came out, I was excited because it was the first time we were going to hear them all in English. After listening to it a few times, there's like snippets of it that I like. Um, when Butter came out, I was really excited because it was a lot more my style. I thought lyrically it was a lot more strong. And then when Permission to Dance came out, I mean, I know that you guys voice this opinion too, but it was just not my cup of tea. When we saw the um, stadium 
dates in LA, they ended the the concert with that song. And I thought to myself, I know that I speak English, but like, wouldn't it have been better if they just ended it with Spring Day? Or like something that the community really has like a synergy for rather than a song that they wrote with some people. So I don't know. I I have mixed feelings about BTS English music. Um, Before we go on to Crystal, Nathan, I do just want to say that publicly on all of like social media, like ARMY had an outpouring love for Permission to Dance. I would say the overall reception that BTS and HYBE probably got about Permission to Dance was that the community loves it because that is what, you know, everybody was saying online. So they maybe chose to do that song because they felt like, wow, this is really loved and everybody genuinely likes the song itself. I mean, that's a fair point. But just to give like a healthy devil's advocate position, like I think that Permission to Dance was very different. Um, And I feel like a lot of that outpouring of support for Permission to Dance was to counter negative responses. Because initially when that song came out, I did see some negative responses. So I want I want to hold both of those things, right? Permission to Dance is not a bad song. I think that Permission to Dance is a fine song. But my personal taste is that I didn't like it. And it seemed that like when a lot of people voiced that opinion online, they were shot down immediately by ARMY because any kind of, dis- of dissent on like Stan Twitter is like poison to them and so they're like let's not do that yes that that's very true that's very true any kind of negative uh opinion about the song definitely was reached with backlash from some armies online which is tough because then it's hard to be able to be honest and um like i mean you guys all know personally bethany and i not huge fans of permission to dance we absolutely love butter and dynamite like we really love those songs i mean not to jump the gun here and you know whatever (laughs) but when dynamite was released when kayla and i were together watching it i turned to kayla and i was like this is their best song yet and it was their first fully english song and i was like this is their best song yet like i love it so much and when butter was released like we went on a whole other podcast and we're like butter is the best like how could you ever dislike but when permission to dance came out we were like hmm not our favorite just not our favorite it just seemed like it didn't sound like them it sounded yeah it was it was very different from the bts that we have known but you know we've come around to the song but i would say like it is definitely not my favorite song but i wouldn't say that like when it comes to their english discography i can't say that i hate it because i love dynamite and butter yeah Um, absolutely yeah so yeah and we'll talk about that i'm sure with some of the questions a little bit later so yeah yeah Yeah, for one, I really, really love all the English songs. I think Dynamite was is probably my favorite, but I, I really love Butter, and I also really love Permission to Dance. Um, and I really think that they did those songs in an attempt to get that broader global outreach to, to help get the Western audience even more invested, probably. Um, do I think it... it um, detracts from or harms k-pop i don't think so i think that we're going to see them mostly doing korean songs with that sprinkling of english like is so common in k-pop in general um but i wouldn't mind a mixed bag i wouldn't mind if they continue to add a couple of english songs here and there per album do i think that they should do a fully english album not necessarily no no i think that that would be not really true to themselves um but i, I definitely like a healthy sprinkling of it okay thanks for the perspective um robin I'm a fan of 
all their English lyric songs, and I just, it's just learning and not knowing Korean in the beginning of ARMY, but falling in love with them, and then them being able to sing to me in my language was like, ugh, amazing. Um, yeah, you're dynamite. Yeah, you're smooth like butter. And heck, yeah, you don't need permission to dance. Like, I just can't get enough of it. And, and I've seen the permission to dance concert five times, be six times coming up in April. And just seeing them perform and leading up to that at the end, I think it's so special. Um, one of the concerts they did do Spring Day, which was incredible. I, I mean, any of their um, genres, if it's all in Korean or part, you know, a mix or what have you. I think it's special, and I think they're also including other parts, not only maybe more on the western side of the world, but your Latin American communities, a lot of the world speaks English, so I think they're they're drawing to an even bigger audience, not just, you know, the U.S. or, or what have you, but um, that's my take. Yeah, um, Robin, real quick before we go to Deja, could I ask you a follow-up question, which is from someone's perspective who you love all of their English songs and you love permission to dance and you, you've seen the concert like five times. Um, how do you feel when you hear that other people don't like permission to dance as much when, you know, do you still absolutely love it? Do you feel any sort of like negative feeling or you feel like they should like it? How are you feeling about it? <laughs> it kind of it hurts. And I remember y'all's episode about that. And I was like, Oh, like, Oh, in my heart a little bit. Cause it's just in the video, the way it was filmed and it was supposed to be at the end of the pandemic. Um, another big part of it is the, the sign language that they do. They're so big on reaching out to people that have some kind of impairment to be able to enjoy their music as well and just getting to see people take their masks off and then all dancing out together and, geez, the outfits, come on. Yeah. Boots I really get that perspective. I really yeah. do. A part of me was like, man, what is wrong with me? And Kaylee, you even mentioned this. Like, do I just like being sad? Like, mm-hmm. do I have a problem with feeling happiness, you know, <laughs> with permission to dance? Um, I think it was just shocking for us at the beginning. And we really came around to it, you know, as we listened to it more and more. But at the beginning, it was really hard for us. Um but I do love the inclusivity of it. I love the sign language that's incorporated in the music video. And I really, it. I guess a part of me too felt like maybe it was a bit premature with the pandemic. Like we still had Delta and Omicron to come, you know? And so it felt a little bit like almost too hopeful when it things really weren't all that well. But I do see like the intention of the song and what was to come. And then we ended up getting a full concert and we got to see them in LA with, you know, permission to dance. So I see it and we've really come around to it now, but at the beginning it, it just was, it was tricky for us at Mm. the start. Deja thoughts on their English music. Okay. Um, I feel like I might have a few hot takes, but you know, that's what we're here for. Um, (laughs) I don't care. I don't really care for um, the English heavy driven music just because I feel that they don't really get to incorporate their true essence um, as much because it's not a language that they're either comfortable with or something that they started out with. And I've seen this with other um, independent artists that were formerly in a group um, 
branching out into their own music and choosing between what they want to. And I feel like there are some members that are comfortable singing and performing more in English versus others. And so it's fine to see those individual works. Like I know V has done um, solo songs for K-dramas that are in English or a blend of English and Korean, and it's beautiful. Whereas I don't see that with, I, I don't see Yoongi doing like a whole album or like a full song in, in English. It just wouldn't hit right. At least for my ears, it just wouldn't hit right. Um, but yeah, like I really, out of all the three of those songs, I really, really love Butter the most because I feel it was definitely more them more army driven like that line when he's like army is right behind us when we say so like mm -hmm. that just hits my heart and I'm just like I get passionate and goosebumps and it's just like it it made me feel like this is them like this this yeah. is us like and dynamite was really really fun I love the colors I love the outfits I just think that that funk and swag and it just was really fun um, and especially because it was, I was at the grocery store and I heard dynamite and I was just like, is my phone going off or like, <laughs> like, and then I was like, no, they're actually playing dynamite at the grocery store. I was like, this is awesome. But the first time I actually heard a BTS song out in the wild was fake love. And I, it just hit differently. Um, getting those two experiences and just reflecting on that. I was just like, yeah, I'd rather hear more of their their style, um, whether it's all Korean or a blend of Korean and English. Um, as far as permission to dance, that was one that I'm still trying to um, come to terms with just because I feel like the music video was saving grace. Um, visually, it was... Um, pleasing. I love the incorporations of sign language and um, just a whole bunch of people, different ages, different backgrounds coming in and just giving that a flip that we probably all needed. Um, but it just, it will never hit the way that like um, life goes on or some other song for me personally. But yeah, I think um, if they choose to do splashes of more English songs, that's wonderful. Um, I just hope that it's more of them like being poured into it versus other people writing for them and they have to perform it. Yeah, I think that was something we really enjoyed about Butter was that they had, like, for example, they had rap in it. And so it felt more authentically BTS. It felt like they contributed to these lyrics. And we have always loved them because they are artists who can, who write and produce their own music at like a large scale, you know, on every single one of their songs, you can see, you know, multiple of them credited. And when you listen to one of their English songs, and they didn't write on it at all, and they didn't produce it at all there's something that that we miss there and I think that's what you're talking about is like I don't want to say it's a lack of authenticity but it seems to detract from what they normally have and we really get it their their Korean music always hits but I understand what you mean when you say like you know permission to dance isn't quite there it doesn't quite hit in the same way yeah 
Well, very uh, controversial topic to talk about their English music, but we appreciate all of your varying perspectives on that. And um, yeah, Nathan, and honesty, really, um, wherever you fall in the spectrum of enjoying their English music or not, um, you know, whatever you love in regards to BTS music is what you love. Okay, so when COVID hit, Hybe scrambled to figure out what BTS could do in the midst of their Map of the Soul World Tour being inevitably delayed and then eventually canceled completely. This set BTS on the path of performing untacked concerts in which various performances were live streamed worldwide. Our first live untacked concert was Bang Bang Con the Live in June of 2020. So for a moment, I just want us all to place ourselves back into that time. Back in June of 2020, it is the height of lockdown. We're all quarantined. Everything's super scary and uncertain. We're lonely. And a lot of us at the time were really fearful. So thinking and placing yourself in that concert experience, how was that experience for you? How did you feel at the time? And, you know, how did it help you in the midst of quarantine? I think BTS has gotten me through so many moments since 2018 when I became an ARMY that like just 2020 with BTS was another one of their saving graces to add to the list of BTS saving me, right? Um, I remember Bang Bang Khan. I bought my ticket immediately on Weverse. I was like, I need to be there for this. Like, this is the moment that I need during this lockdown, right? And I think, um, you know, Crystal and I just started, I got pushed um, to cover, you know, Island. But Bang Bang Khan was like, you know, the polished K-pop artist concert that we needed. Because despite the fact that we had that reality show to give us a dose of K-pop, like BTS, they just, they get to it, right? And everything about Bang Bang Khan was like beautiful. You got the multi-camera. That was like the first time I'd ever seen anything like that before. And it really was like, my multivitamin or like the medicine that I needed during the midst of lockdown. So I loved Bang Bang Khan and it really was the shining light during 2020. So full disclosure, I did not attend Bang Bang Khan, but you have to keep in mind, this is because I was really just starting to get more into BTS around this year. I mean, I had obviously, you know, attended that other concert that Nathan referenced earlier. What was that? 2019-18? Burn the Stage. Um, That had been a really fun experience, but that was just like a small little foray into it. And it wasn't as serious back then, my my love and appreciation for them. So I would really say it was during quarantine and the lockdown where I was like starting to really reconnect with their music, some of the songs that Nathan had shown me. And then, of course, Nathan is always so great at, you know, showing music videos and his favorite songs. Um, so that definitely was a year for K-pop and especially BTS for me. And it's funny because I've talked to other people who are like, yeah, I really got into K-pop during 2020. <laughs> it just seems to be a common theme. But like they they definitely helped me through it. Um, I think even because Dynamite came out in 2020, didn't it? Or no, that was 2021. Uh, 2020. Yeah, it came out in 2020. Yeah. That's what I thought because I remember just it being in lockdown and being just kind of in a sad place and Dynamite came out and I just listened to it on repeat because I was like, oh my God, this is my happy place. 
this is one place where I feel joy. They're bringing me absolute joy. So I thought it was in 2020. That's great. Now, but really, um, they're super helpful. And it's, it's just warming to hear how helpful they are for others, you know, during this time. Great. Thanks for your perspective. Um, Robin, how was Bang Bang Con the live for you? Bang Bang Kong 2020. So I remember when they announced it and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? We are going to get to see how many concerts and we had just, you know, had been postponed on Map of the Soul 7. Like it just kept getting postponed and another kind of um, way of them doing it like no one. I, I feel like BTS did the kind of online concert foray before anyone else really started doing it and we needed that we needed to see them and it just it was incredible so many emotions it was fantastic and in 2020 my sister shout out to her but all of most bts stuff we ever do like that is with my sister and my daughter and we live super close to each other but everybody was nobody was going outside you weren't going to restaurants or movies or anything so we were facetiming we were texting back and forth <laughs> we were watching it together in separate households so that was kind of cool too just reminds me of like what did we do during the pandemic yeah it kind of brought you together even though you were were apart uh deja what about you how was your experience bang bang con live was interesting to say the least just because um in june of 2020 my grandfather passed away and so I literally was like scrambling to get to Louisiana, be with family, mourn. And I still have this in the back of my head, like, okay, I gotta look, I gotta look forward to it. I can look forward to it. Like it's okay to feel the somberness, but still have some type of joy in my life. And so when it was playing the live streams and going back into the, um, set list of the old concerts and stuff like that. It was just really, really uplifting and something that I needed to focus on, especially um, having the forums to chat with other armies while watching it. And it was to be up at all hours of the day <laughs> and just, you know, ch chiming in and um, catching certain ones that I wanted to, because there are some that I was very familiar with like okay I can pass on that one but I love the format for Bang Bang Con Live it felt like a muster that we usually have to wait for a DVD to get and I just felt like it was more relaxed more connected like hey we're here we miss you guys too and it was just so fun and I love seeing those other stages that we never would have gotten to see because they're just not the songs or the concert list type of songs that I think that they would perform on like a bigger tour. And so I really, really love the fact that they just had like their like moments where they would just be head first into the camera, smiling, goofing off at each other. And yeah, I just really love that. So I, I really hope that they continue to do more online concerts like that I think that would be wonderful and going off what you were saying Deja like I remember 
back during that time, I was unemployed for a small period of time, which I was not alone in that. A lot of people were being furloughed and all that. And so I was feeling really lost at that time. And getting BonBonCon and then BonBonCon the Live um, was everything I could have hoped for because it really helped me uh, just feel happy in a moment of really just like lostness like I just felt like I didn't know where I was going or what to expect for the future which was for everyone we didn't know what the future held um, but I remember during Bon Bon Con the live I think they did like a little snippet of UG I was like oh my gosh I just need UG live you know I want map of the soul I've got tickets when is that concert ever gonna happen um and then, you know, like, Robin, what you were saying, it just kept getting postponed and postponed. So we want to know, since BonBonCon, we've had numerous other untacked concerts. Uh, Muster was a particular highlight. We got, like, Deshwita. We got a lot of those, um, you know, kind of like, you know, the more mixtapey songs with Mustard, which is expected. But... With it being outdoors, it included more special performances, which are a rarity to see, but they also did Map of the Soul 1, and that was our singular opportunity to see Map of the Soul 7 performed, and it was later immoralized as a packaged DVD that was for sale, which I ended up buying because we love it. We got all those solo tracks, and then once Permission to Dance was released, we've had a bunch of permission to dance live stream opportunities. So we want to know which of the live streams that you all have watched and what was your favorite. And then, you know, do you feel like you have a responsibility as an army to watch all of their live stream stream concerts that they have offered? And what makes you feel that way? You know, we just want to know what your feelings are about untacked concerts moving forward. For me, I think I'll start off by saying that I don't think it's a responsibility for ARMY to watch untacked concerts. I think it's um, BTS's uh, offering to us in that time. Um, and so they're, they, are, they are welcoming us to that opportunity, but it's not a responsibility to watch. So with that being said, I did watch Bong Bong Con, the live... I skipped Map of the Soul 1, which I was stupid to do because I really loved watching the VOD. Uh, and then I also um, skipped some of the Permission to Dances because we all got to go see it in L.A., which was really exciting. Um, that's, that's a really interesting thing. I just thought about that. Like all of us in the chat today got to go see that, which was just fantastic. We all did, yeah. Yeah, but like I think that... With that being said, going forward, um, as much as I love the Untacked concerts, and they really, I have to, I have to stress this: Hybe and BTS did their best to give us as much varying content as possible during those concerts, especially during Bang Bang Con and um, the uh, some of the Mod Seven performances. Um, I think that going forward, the only Untacked experiences that they should give are muster and um like simulcast or delayed play of concerts because i i feel like untacked concerts outside of the context of covid to me at least would feel like a bit of a money grab um and i think that that's one of my biggest issues with hybe as a corporation now um is that a lot of the genuine uh, opportunities and chances to see BTS 
um, have become a little bit money motivated and I just want to see something really genuine. Um, so my vote is for muster, maybe like a bong bong con again online, but like only, um, live stream or delayed play of concerts going forward. And I'm a big fan of a hybrid approach. So going forward, like I would still love to see untacked concerts, um, in addition to obviously live concerts, I think that it's a really great way to make it more um, attainable and, 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 you know, allow people to enjoy it from anywhere, um, especially if they're not able to travel. Um, but for me, I mean, I don't think that every army has a responsibility to um, attend every single live stream. But with that being said, I think it's really awesome that there have been live streams, especially during the COVID era. And then again, yeah, during the post-COVID era, it will be great to still see that as an opportunity. And I meant to say this about the English and Korean lyrics, but I have the same thought on NTAC. Like, I want them to do what they want to do as a whole. Like, or if they want to do that, and I know I've heard RM say and other members, like, they're so hard and difficult to not have an audience. And, and I watched the, the one they just did in Seoul, and, and their audience there just had the clappers, and it was touching, but it was so hard for them to do that. So... I think there's so many different ways to think about it as an army. There's so many army. I'm super privileged that I've gotten to see them in concert more than a couple of times. A lot of people can't ever go see them in concert at all. So to give that chance, I think that you do take that full concert experience and take it to the movie theaters, have a stream offering. And then I think the first Bang Bang Con, wasn't it free on YouTube? I mean, it was something like, no, you didn't have to pay for it. I think there's different ways that they can reach that's not a money grab, um, but also give ARMY the way that they're able to connect and, and see them because to see them perform live is just, it's such a gift. And we just saw them twice at the movie theater for um, the streaming event last weekend and or weekend before, whenever it was. And I'm like, wow, it was so good. And I'd already seen them live in person, but if that was my only chance to see, I would have been like, let's, let's go. Let's get it. Yeah. Um, I think that it's not a responsibility to watch everything and to have to feel that. Cause I know I did feel it at first. Like I, I have to, I have to be up at 3am to make sure that I watch it and know what's going on. And it got to a point where it was, so many of the permission to dance that I just, I couldn't at the burnout, the waking up at, you know, two, one o'clock in the morning and then have to go to work, like just trying to balance that like real life balance. It just wasn't (laughs) going to cut it for me personally. Um, I wish that it, it could be something that I could just say like, oh yeah, I have all the time in the world to, you know, support my boys, but I will support them when I wake up and rewatch it later <laughs> or, you know, I've seen enough, but I also um, think that it is a great opportunity to have those untapped concerts online or a- available for other army. Cause there were so many armies that it was their first concert being able to view Bon Bon Con or um, the Map of the Soul online. And so I just think that it would be more fun and more of a 
better experience if it was something like Robin had said, if it was at the theater or um, even when they did the um, live play during the Permission to Dance. Um, I saw one performance at the YouTube theater and the interaction that they were able to have at the theater was incredible because we got to link our army bombs. They had, you know, confetti, they had streamers, they had smoke, lighting, like it was such a, it was a show, it really was a show. And we felt connected because other armies were there versus us being at home by ourselves, or at least for me being at home with my dog, you know, just my palm shaking. But I still feel that um, it's a, it's a great opportunity um, for other armies, as long as it's not so heavily driven that it's just like, okay, it's a money grab. But I um, had mentioned earlier, I prefer more of the muster bon bon con style um, just because it feels more, um, it feels like something more of what they would like to do personally. Um, I feel they, they really have those moments where it's just, that's, it's just so comforting in a way that it's not like we have to put on this big production and not have army with us. Um, I feel like it would, I don't know how the future is going to look, but I feel like they don't have to put as much effort into um, doing those without, you know, it not feeling um, like a pull. Yeah, I feel like for me where it becomes a money grab nowadays would be if they're performing an untacked concert to no audience if they're going to live stream a concert that's full of an audience fine live stream it for all of army to watch wherever there are like that's i think that's amazing um definitely a way for any army who can't go to a concert to watch it but i think where i worry is when they are performing to an empty stadium or an empty room and how damaging that is for them and like for their mental health and to feel like they're content creators instead of the amazing entertainers that they are that would be like my only concern but I I love the idea of untucked concerts continuing or like live stream concerts continuing as long as there's army that get to enjoy it in person that BTS gets to perform for in person yeah yeah And I want to reiterate, like, the responsibility as an ARMY. Like, as a podcaster for BTS and just, like, all their content, I do feel a sense of responsibility in that I should be watching these concerts because all of these concerts are different because there's different interactions, there's different outfits, all of that. And I do feel a sense of, like, fear of missing out. Um, But also, like, it's streamed at times of the day that are not convenient for me and I still have a job and all of that. And so um, is it worth losing sleep when I have to go to work the next day, right? Um, so I, it's okay to, to miss out on live streaming. Like, it doesn't mean that I'm not supporting them. I've gotten to that point where I'm like, I still support them. I still love them. If I have to catch up on Twitter later on and scream over Jungkook's, like, shirt mishap, you know, later on, not in the moment, then that's fine. That's okay to do, right? Um, so, yeah, I think with these untacked concerts, like, even if they are live streaming and you can't attend every live stream, that's okay. It doesn't make you any less of an army or a fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
we're getting close to an hour and a half here, and so I am kind of being mindful of the time, but there is a question here that, Nathan, you were the one who brought up this topic, so I know everyone will probably have some perspective, but I just for time's sake, I'm just going to ask for just Nathan's response on this, because you've already kind of touched on it throughout this episode, and I just know that you have something to say, um, so it would be just sad if we didn't get to this one, but I want to talk about BTS's kind of rags to riches story and how they, through their success, was able to grow their company Big Hit Music and Big Hit was able to through smart business moves and whatever evolve into eventually Hybe and you know now they are this huge conglomerate company with a bunch you know umbrellaed over a bunch of other companies they've acquired and so a big question that you had that you wanted to talk about is is bigger better with Hybe and what are the pros and cons of Big Hit's evolution into Hybe? Yeah (laughs) I mean Giving my response, I'm sure that Deja's got some opinions too. Um, but uh, I think that for me, watching Big Hit grow into Hybe has been both special and stressful as an army. And I'm sure that every other stan under a Hybe group will agree because um, sometimes bigger isn't better. Um, and I think that. In some cases, it has been, um, especially when we talk about like the the BTS pave the way kind of camp. Like, I'm sure that they have a love hate relationship with Hybe, and um, there's always been this very um, closed off, like cliquish part of being an army where it's like you know BTS and nobody else. Like, don't touch my BTS. Like, don't touch my steak with my potatoes and my peas right so i think that something that's special about hybe is that it has given a lot of other groups um the ability to grow under a model that bts um modeled to begin with right um i think about specifically txt and hypen um and i think about uh the amazing training that they've been able to get from big hits example. Um, but I also think that there are some really, uh, complex things about hype that make me worry like, um, big hit America, which is now hype America. And the fact that they bought out Ithaca holdings and scooter Braun scooter Braun has always been a very polarizing figure in Western music. So now they're injecting him into hype. He's the CEO of hype America. So like, I, I worry about that. And specific, I mean, we're talking about like hyper up-to-date topics, like the whole J Balvin, uh, light stick issue that's going on right now where it's like uh, it's literally the same box and literally the same design as an army bomb like who at Hybe knew right like J Balvin is under Ithaca which is part of Hybe so did somebody at Hybe's graphics department just go and eh, just take the army uh, thumbnail and throw some Balvin stuff on it like <laughs> is that the case people are pissed they're like Oh, you know, big hit, go sue J Balvin. I'm like, you guys understand that they're under the same umbrella now, right? So they probably have the same graphics department. So there's a lot of complex things with Hyde being bigger. And they are still a fairly new corporation. So there's going to be a lot of growing pains and a lot of issues. But I think that the biggest one is 
when ARMY is the driving force behind big hit music and BTS, how does that play into Hybes Corporation as a whole? Um, and can the two exist together in harmony or are we going to always have conflict? Yeah. And just kind of going off of this, you know, with like the the merging with Ithaca Holdings, like I think about how like just the future of K-pop in general and like kind of what's happening with Hybe and what's to come with other um, K-pop agencies in Korea. Just thinking about how Mama is going to be held in the U.S. at some point in the near future. We don't know when that's going to happen. But I just feel like with, like, English discography, I know that TXT has released a song. Monster X has, like, released a full English album. You know, we have this, like, Western pavement that's going on here. And I feel like with Mama potentially coming to the U.S., well, we know that they will come to the U.S. And just have, like, really reaching, like, other artists in the in, you know, Western, with Western artists like Justin Bieber and stuff. Like, I'm very curious to see where it's going to go, but I'm kind of with you, Nathan, and like, is bigger better? Because um, I know I have some other friends who are like K pop fans and like under other like agencies that have been like under the umbrella of Hybe have now like disbanded or, you know, whatnot. So, it's interesting to see where Hybe is going to go and just like with the growth, I think it's natural that Hybe is going this route, you know, like I feel like with any company, like if you have the potential for growth, that's just kind of the natural route and the more people get involved, the less like, I don't know, you know, the original origins of Big Hit is going to start to disperse some which is unfortunate, but you know, you still have him and bang there, but he's, he's, I don't think he's one of the CEOs now, right? Like he's really stepped down. Yeah. Just, just kind of in a creative producer role now, which is good for him, which is what he's always meant to be doing. But, you know, I think that, I think that big hit and high lost some luster when they lost Hitman bang as the CEO. So he definitely has some great guidance and wisdom that BTS have relied on for a lot of their their careers. So they're definitely missing out on not having him in that in that role anymore. But he's worked very hard, and uh, you know he deserves a to little step, bit of to, yeah down. to step back. Yeah. 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 Do uh, any of the other panelists have any thoughts about Hybe or Big Hit or where kind of like the the company is going from here? No, I was just thinking about, you know, it is a um, a complicated situation because it is a fairly new move on their part. And I know that they are definitely um, in the works of um, getting new groups out and seeing how that's going to work. Um, it's going to be interesting if they're going to have them um, collaborate with people within Hive America and having that um, avenue. Um, I think it's also interesting to see because I know a lot of of the um, original like big companies in K-pop like SM branches, for instance, um, really has a diverse market with um, having other artists from like China and Thailand and in Japan and seeing Hive go West it's it's interesting to see that um will they be successful in keeping that dynamic um 
and how that will flow into K-pop and other groups within Hive aside from, you know, BTS. But yeah, that's just kind of where I'm, I'm at with that. Yeah, it's a lot to think about and there's a lot that we can't really predict or really know what's to come. Um, but I'm very curious to see what ends up happening down the road. So we've been through a lot of hot and controversial topics, and we've really appreciated everybody's perspective, but we want to end on a a wholesome note, um, and we just want to talk about, you know, something that is innately ARMY and BTS, which is our connection through their music, and a lot of ARMY, we've had so many ARMY tell us that, you know, they found BTS exactly when they need them and that they found so much comfort through their music. So just wondering if you guys have any BTS comfort songs or albums and why do you feel such the strong connection to this particular song or album? I think for me, um, Spring Day is a super comforting song for all of ARMY. Um, so I would be remiss if I didn't include it in my list. Um, also, Pied Piper is, like, my jam. So, like, literally every time I hear Pied Piper, I'm like, ooh, you guys better sing that over me. Like, I'm feeling that. Like, like that's that's me and BTS's romance song, right? And so when I hear those two songs, like, I really feel the connection to BTS. And I, I think that I vibe the most with BTS um, when they are singing about or rapping about things that matter or um, when they are talking directly to me as army. So those are my two big comfort songs. And I think for an album that really like I'll play on repeat until the day I die is love yourself answer. And the reason why is because that was the first album that I ever bought from BTS I had to go to a secondhand store in Portland because they did not have BTS albums at mainstream stores yet. And just everything about that album, the color of the album, the shiny pink with the purple undertones, uh, the fact that I got photo cards. I just, I, I remember finding my first photo card was both my bias and my bias record, uh, Young and RN, like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Um, and uh, just everybody having a solo track and the group tracks are amazing, you know, Idol and DNA. It's just like all of those were so good. Love them all. My comfort song would have to be Second Grade. Um, I love everything about that song. Something about the sound of it alone, like even the lyrics aside, just fills me with joy and like a feeling that I also can't quite describe. It's ineffable, really. Um, but the lyrics themselves, too, are really cool. It's talking about like their time as trainees and, and where they see themselves going and like kind of all the pressure that they feel but they're also kind of coming into their own confidence in that song. And that's what that song kind of reflects to me is this, this innate confidence. And then they just blew up from there. And it's like, they knew they were on the cusp of that. Um, and it's just like a song that really just lifts my spirits and pumps me up that I really just connect to um, through multiple stages of my life. Um, and then another song that's just really fun for me is Idol. I love Idol. <laughs> that is a good pump up song. It's just classic. Um, yeah, I think that those are my favorite comfort songs from BTS. 
Yeah, she shouts them out in the car. I hear her shouting them. She even <laughs> had a Korean friend teach her the lyrics to second grade. So, like, you know, let's Iconic. go, Crystal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, for me, the one song that I'll always love and go back to, The Truth Untold, it's such a beautiful story. One of the first times I ever saw BTS was actually at the movie theater, and my sister was in my ear the whole time telling me about the members and when this song came on, she was really quick, told me the story, and I cried watching them perform that song, and I've seen it a million times since then, but just the artistry and the vocals, it's so, so pretty and such a touching story. Um, along with that, just the lyrics and, and how they kind of weave flowers into their different songs. Um, you guys were just talking about on the Wings episode with Jen's song, Awake, and how the other members to him were flowers um, in spring day. Um, they are such a song of, of yearning, but they talk about the winter flower and it's like this harsh, cold bleak that they're trying to, you know, wait for spring to come. But then they talk about the winter flower. So like the beauty in the despair and, and the cold that they're, you know, ugh, just the dichotomy. Amazing. They're, they're poets. Um, for me, my um, BTS comfort song, it might sound like a random track, but for me, it's Blanket Kick, Embarrassed. Like that, the second I hear that, like my soul lights on fire. Like I just love it. It is such a groovy, calm song that we get some beautiful vocals, some great harmonizing falsettos, which is like something I particularly just like crave when I when I hear it. And I just love um, all the rap lines flow um, throughout that. And the fact that we got um, a dance practice from it is just incredible. Um, because it's one of those songs that you wouldn't think that they would go out of their way to do that. And the fact that it's so incorporated. And I also remember um, being in the movie theaters for, um, I think it was one, I think it was Break the Silence. And they actually played that song. And it wasn't just a snippet, it was the entire song. And I remember sitting there crying, like, oh my gosh, this is my song. Like, they didn't have to choose this song, but it was just such a moment. And the fact that they they it chose this song, it just proves that it's it stands the test of time. Like, they I, did it I, just for you, Deja, just for you, girl. They must oh, have. That's how I felt. I was like, are you serious? Yes. And I was just grooving and loving every second of it. But another comfort song that I love, it's probably like my hype song is Bulletproof Part 2. Like every time I hear that song, I'm ready to go. Like <laughs> I think it would be um, insane to hear that fully in concert live. That would be a dream. But um, that's definitely another one that just gets me pumped and ready to go. And an album that... Um, speaks to me the most is Love Yourself Tear. That was such a summer jam. Every song hit, every song just was so impactful. I remember just playing that on loop all summer, everywhere I go, bumping it, and just 
uh, there's so many good tracks on it. And um, being able to actually see those songs performed live cemented it forever in me. So I definitely um, can just live off of that if I have to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Deja, I feel you on the Love Yourself tier. Like, I felt like that album... Oh, I mean, it's one of my favorite. It can't really be beat, but like being a Young bias. And I mean, I came around during Love Yourself Her. That was my first comeback. So when Love Yourself Tear was released and Singularity was put out as the intro, it was like life changing. Like I'll never forget it. <laughs> never forget it. Um, but for me, my, I would have to say my biggest comfort song is We Are Bulletproof the Eternal. When Map of the Soul 7 came out, I mean, I loved every song on it, but uh, We Are Bulletproof the Eternal, I was like, wow, this is the ultimate BTS ARMY song that really calls back to We Are Bulletproof Part 2, you know, back to their origins, but it's like the eternal, um, that we just can never die, and that this is just something that's going to live on forever, BTS and ARMY, and it's a moment in history that uh, it's a huge impact on music history, and so I love that song so, so much, and it's really a comfort song for me, and Though it's a comfort song, I cry every time I listen to it. It's just so meaningful. For me, my comfort song would have to be 2-3. I just absolutely love that song every time. I just, I think about their live performances during the Wings tour, but I also just think about the incredible, like, connection that BTS and ARMY have through that song and I always feel connected to them when I listen to it but I also feel connected to other ARMY when I listen to it so I really love that song um for me my comfort album would be do I dare it would be a mixtape it would be D2 and it's because just mono it's not mono and it's only not mono because I mean mono's incredible um and there are songs I mean I really mono what was set me on the path to be a Namjoon bias but when D2 came out was like peak depression in peak quarantine and it really really got me through a really hard time and one of you know I think about like Bethany you and I doing research for D2 like that was a huge like moment for me to like crawl out of the pit of depression a little bit and you know every single song on D2 is so incredible and through the lyrics I feel validated on like for example in Strange I feel validated on my opinions of the world and my problems going on but at the same time during set me free I you know feel freedom from depression you know with that song and so for me that album anytime I'm really needing to go through it I will definitely put on D2 um yeah so I love that album and That's I really love you powerful, guys Kayla mm. oh my god thanks guys um I have found what you guys have had to say throughout this episode incredibly powerful and uh bethany and i we are so grateful that you all uh were available and decided to join us for this round table guys this was the first ever army round table there are none in existence so give yourselves a round of applause a pat on the back thank you so so much um Really, thank you once again to Nathan, to Crystal, to Robin, and Deja. We have so valued your opinion and your input on this episode. 
Um, we do want to say a special thanks to our supporters on Patreon, especially our VIP Iconics, Eileen, Michelle, Deja again, Meg, Rachel, Robin again, Crystal, Emily, Madison, and Holly. We love you guys so, so much. And if you enjoyed this episode, please let us know. Uh, this is the first episode that we've done like this. So give us your feedback on Instagram, on Twitter. You can DM us. You can send us an email at standingbtspod, wherever you can find us. And uh, of course, you can find links for all of those things, including how to help Ukraine in the description. Thanks for listening and thanks for standing BTS.